You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors. We are a PR firm that specializes in music, tech, and music tech. And here on Music Tectonics, we go beneath the surface to look at all the changes going on in music and technology. And today, I've got with me Dan Makta, the Managing Director of Kobaz USA. Uh, how's it going, Dan? Good, good. How are you, Dimitri? I'm doing good. I just want to jump right in and, and let people know what Kobaz is. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what Kobaz is? Sure, sure. Kobaz is a music streaming and download service. It's a French company that actually started over 10 years ago as a high-res download store, but evolved and grew. And in 2014, uh, Kobaz was uh, the first company to offer a high-res you know, 24-bit music streaming service, uh, the very first to do that in Europe. And we opened the service in the U.S. actually just this year in, in mid-February. So, you know, as I mentioned, it's, it's um, uh, high-res and lossless. So it's all uh, uncompressed, at least CD quality, if not better. Uh, in a streaming service uh, that's available on any device, but uh, also uh, a download store doing high-res downloads, uh, which are still quite popular in the audiophile world in, in contrast to the trends in the mainstream market. Um, down downloading is still a big thing. It's interesting because it's almost like the audiophile world is its own like parallel universe, but maybe... Um, as as Kobas and other interest in, in uh, high resolution audio is um, is kind of becoming more popular, that it crosses over more. But can you tell us a little bit about that audiophile world? And because uh, if, if if most of, most people don't really even dip into it, right, right. Well, it's um, you know kind of a ho there's a, a, a really diehard subculture. It's a hobby. It's a costly hobby. People get into <laughs> in search of you know the ultimate audio quality and you know whereas the average person is probably just walking around having spent zero on their audio because they're using their phone and the earbuds that came with it the folks who were really into into sound quality and consider themselves audiophiles could spend you know tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars on um you know super high-end preamps and amps and speakers and you know it's definitely uh can get extreme but the interesting development is that the technology and the engineering quality and know-how that's required to make equipment sound good has become uh, much more accessible and with the availability now of, of high-res streaming and lossless cd quality streaming the equipment's also available uh, you know, to just about anybody without spending hundreds of thousands or even thousands of dollars. I mean, you definitely may want to have you know, better than stock uh, earbuds and so forth. But the sound quality and the streaming and the bandwidth and the equipment, everything is kind of you know, com coming together finally to make this vision of incredible audio quality with the convenience of a streaming service and the portability and so forth is actually 
here it's here now i mean it's, it's arrived there's no question about it so um for those who haven't really experienced anything other than uh sh streaming on their phone how do you explain the sound quality difference um they may not even realize that compressed streaming is a problem right well and for, for some it may never be a problem because that's what they're used to and and they prefer that sound but of course you know, as many people know, and as artists definitely know, when they're recording their music in the studio, it is, you know, uncompressed, full bandwidth, usually done in 24-bit digital. So that's even better than a CD quality, which is 16-bit. So they're recording with all of this headroom and all of this uh, bandwidth for all of the, the details and the dynamics and everything that go into a music performance and, and making a record, but then, you know, much like the pure Colombian cocaine that gets uh, adulterated and, and um, you know, we say stepped on throughout the chain, uh, the same thing happens with audio and it's compressed and uh, uh, converted into any number of what we call lossy formats that are the the uh, technology that, you know, most of the mainstream streaming services use, and it may not really um, be that noticeable through super cheap earbuds. Hmm. But as soon as you start listening through half decent equipment, you start to realize that these lossy formats do uh, potentially detract from your enjoyment of the music. And there's little things that, you know, people who are not audio experts can tell, like the way a cymbal may sound more like a weird electronic <laughs> instead of, you know, the beautiful uh, and, you know, almost endless decay that a real cymbal actually has in the wild. And those mm. are the kind of details and those are the kind of elements that lossless and high-res audio can reveal. Um so it's especially uh, noticeable and especially prized uh, when you're talking about fans of genres like jazz and classical, where there's a lot of yeah. dynamics and a lot of musical information coming through. Um, you know, to be honest, a lot of modern pop recordings don't have any dynamics. They're recorded with this, you know, what they call brick wall compression, where, you know, it's the same volume all the way through and it's loud so that it pops on the radio. So, you know, there's, there's certain music that is not as, as, you know, dynamic to begin with, but if you've got great recordings and great mastering, uh, then high-res definitely reveals it and is, um, you know, much more immersive and, and engaging than the, the, uh, the alternative. So let me ask you a question. Do, um, do, are people either born interested in um, uh, kind of higher res audio or are they converted? And if they're converted, what are the things that convert them? Well, I think that we've definitely got two, two cohorts. If we're going to answer that question. I mean, there's this older crowd who are our, our uh, core customers right now. These are people who grew up in the vinyl era who grew up, you know, listening to reel to reel tapes and, got into hi-fi when it was still really more of a mainstream pursuit. And these are folks who were probably analog all the way and tried digital when it first came out and said, eh, this is not for me. I'm going to stick with what I'm familiar with. 
And it's not till now that the uh, um, availability of high res and, and lossless streaming draws them into the digital world. Um, and then there's people, you know, digital natives who, um, you know, are musicians or, you know, work in the creative fields and actually know something about sound quality and maybe know that they're recording in 24 bit, but when they're streaming on one of the mainstream services, it's, you know, one twenty-eighth of the, of the resolution. So, um, you know, I think that, I think that it's both. I mean, we start with a, a, you know, hardcore following of people that, you know, are really already into sound quality. And then beyond that, there's an education process. I mean, most people don't even know, let's be honest, they don't even know that what they're listening to is, as I said, stepped on. And that's, you know, it's human nature, I think, that if we do let people know that there is something better, uh, that some portion of those people will gravitate towards it. You know, it's human nature to want, want something better if it's available. So that's kind of the mission now is educating you know, really diehard music fans, that's the next group outside the core audiophiles, but diehard music fans that are just really into it and into listening to music as a primary experience. Like I'm going to put on music and sit down in front of this stereo and listen to it as opposed to I'm just putting on music as background for making dinner or whatever, you know, the, the you know, musical wallpaper kind of, kind of model. So, you know, for those that are really into music, we've got a, a you know, potential audience for these higher quality formats. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the mission of, of COBAs and, and services like us right now is to educate the public that there's something better out there. You know, Dan, I saw you a few months back at a um, music tech meetup in New York and you had the the right speakers and COBAs and did a demo. And I definitely had that reaction. I'm sort of like, oh, I've totally been missing out this whole time. Uh, so definitely experiencing it made a made a big difference. Um, I mean, I've heard people talk about it. And I've even heard people talk about it and I still wasn't ready to 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 adjust my listening habits. But now I'm like, oh, as soon as I can get some of those speakers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, again, it's, it's the... Um you know, the equipment does play a role. And if you've got half decent equipment and you're listening to um, music that has, has a lot of dynamic range and, and you know, well-recorded and, and mastered music, then it's a pretty, um, it can be a startling uh, uh, experience. And it, it is an upgrade. And, you know, I find it, you know, interesting that with all the technology, if we look at video and television or whatever they call it now, you know, you had uh, HD and 1080p and 4K and 8K, and it just keeps, you know, the quality keeps getting better and better. Uh, meanwhile, I was watching on an old cathode ray TV. I had no idea it wasn't sharp enough. It seemed fine all those years. But, uh, you know, now if you go back and look at that, it seems blurry. And, uh, you know, the technology has brought ever uh, more, uh, you know, uh, uh, detail and, and, you know, quality in, in video and, and um, in music, on the other hand, as technology gets better and better, the opposite happened and the music quality got worse and worse, less and less resolution uh, and more and more compression. So, you know, what seems to be happening now is it really can't get any worse, it's starting to bounce back as we see, you know, major players get into lossless and high res streaming. And, and the idea of it is not so crazy anymore. 
uh, that there is some better audio quality to be had and it's not, not that difficult to, uh, to attain. So, so I feel like we've kind of come back around. Speaking of that, if I was going to go all in on high resolution streaming, what should I be looking at in terms of headphone or speakers? And maybe you could give examples of a low price, mid, super deluxe, whether it's features or particular products that, you know, you would recommend. Sure, to start sure. With. I mean, the most basic thing that I recommend that anybody get if they want to do high resolution music is a little portable DAC, which is a digital to analog converter uh, called an AudioQuest Dragonfly. AudioQuest is the company that makes them. Dragonfly is the, the name of the product. And it looks like a little USB thumb drive. And you can plug your phone right into it, basically. And then the, it's got an, uh, uh, an eighth inch audio out on the back. And this thing will take, you know, Koba streaming through your phone and deliver, you know, a source that's equivalent to, um, you know, just unthinkable a few years ago that out of a phone, you could get this bit perfect high res uh, streaming. And with that, you know, Dragonfly, they have a few different levels. They range from, you know, a hundred bucks to two or $300. You can basically take that and really any powered speakers. I've got a pair of SVS powered speakers on my desk. Plugging my phone into them with the, with the Dragonfly, you know, gives a, a really incredible, uh, you know, sort of desktop listening experience. And it's, you know, really nothing fancy or nothing expensive. So that's in the low price end? Yeah, yeah. The AudioQuest Dragonfly and a pair of SVS-powered speakers gives you, um, you know, uh, uh, an incredible amount of, of flexibility and, and quality. Or with the Dragonfly, you can pl plug your headphones right in. I've been using uh, a pair of Grado uh, GS3000, which are really like a top-end Grado headphone, but they got a whole line, you know, starting at a hundred bucks. You could could get a really, really uh, nice pair of quality headphones and, and be listening to high-res uh, through that Dragonfly. Um, but then, you know, you go up to something like Whole Home Audio if you want to do, you know, the thing about Sonos as it works very well, but it maxes out at CD quality, 16-bit lossless. Um, but there's a company called Blue Sound that does a you know a whole home uh, streaming uh, line similar to the way Sonos works. They have speakers, they have just amps, they have uh, you know standalone streaming devices. So Blue Sound uh, does high res. That's the difference is you can stream 24-bit through the system. So something like a, it's called the Blue Sound Node 2i. So what we call a streamer. So it's an audio component that really does nothing else except pull in uh, streaming services and allow you to control them through one app and output that into your, uh, your home system. Uh, and those cost about $500. And that's a great, you know, kind of entry to mid-level place to be with, uh, with high-res audio in the home. So that's like instead of Sonos, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and that's it's kind of mid-level. Yeah. You know, you're making a commitment to it, but uh, it's not breaking the bank. But then you can get into some really high-end uh, streaming products and streaming servers, they're called. There's a company called Orender. There's one called Inuos out of France. And you can easily spend five to $10,000 just on the box that streams the music and that then goes into wow. a... Uh, an amp or, or what have you. And 
you know, there's a lot of elements of technology when you're talking about digital audio that, you know, people are tweaking endlessly in terms of the, you know, the time domain and the, the clocking and, and all of these elements that go into di digital audio chain that I really don't even understand. So because I don't understand them, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah. if, you, if you're listening for it, you know, people do feel that with these super high-end components, they're getting even better sound. And like I said, that's where we get into this kind of hobby fanatic area of, of audiophile-dom where they're, you know, really spending money that the average person would think was kind of silly. But, you know, it's like wines, right? If you're not into wine, you're like, if you spend more than $12, you're you wasted your money, but there's people who spend obviously, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars on wine. Fifteen, fourteen dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, that's it. You know, you get into this really high end stuff, but uh, you know, for the most part, I'm I'm telling people, you know, just grab a USB DAC capable of 24 bit audio, and um, you can use your computer, you can use your phone, you know, experience it without without breaking the bank. Um, you know, there's other great headphones. Bowers and Wilkins does great headphones that are kind of mid-priced. If you want to get fancier, there's a French brand called Focal, F-O-C-A-L, that are, makes great, great headphones. But like in all, all of these things, it's kind of a matter of personal preference. And I recommend that people go check out, you know, every major city has got like hi-fi audio shows, you know, annual basis or, you know, major cities at least have them. And that's a place where you can go and kind of go room to room, table to table, listen to a lot of systems and listen to different uh, headphones and different combinations. And that can be really eye opening. And it's a great way if you don't know the gear to go sample a lot of it. Or, you know, you stop in at your local uh, hi-fi store, uh, which, you know, may seem like a weird place that only, uh, you know, it's a relic from the 1970s, but most of the stores that are still in business today have wholly embraced digital and have all kinds of gear and demos that you can go in and, and hear and, and, you know, test the technology. So we've talked a bit about this differentiator of, of high-res. Um, I'm curious, are there other features that Kobuz has that maybe Spotify or Apple well, don't have? You know, the, the premium audio quality is the centerpiece and that's, you know, what, you know, why the users come in the door is that they're looking for better audio quality. But, you know, since it's our, our focus, the idea in terms of other features is layering stuff in and including stuff that's going to enhance the experience for these people that are really into music. So there's certain things that we do as well or better than anybody else, like the metadata and all the credits, basically everything that we get from the record companies is displayed in the service. So uh, some suppliers are better than others about mm -hmm. metadata, but, you know, on certain releases, there could be hundreds of credits of, you know, musicians and engineers and producers and mixers, and we've got it all. Uh, in addition, uh, we have digital booklets right in the service. So that's basically the CD booklet and uh, iTunes download store has them, but in terms of a streaming service, nobody else offers the digital booklets. And uh, again, especially in classical and jazz, those liner notes and the librettos and, and so forth is, uh, is a key component of enjoying the recordings for those, those music fans. What, what's the experience like of those digital booklets and Kobas? I mean, is this something that the, the labels create and distribute? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's basically, 
very similar to the digital booklet that iTunes would have uh, offered you. It's a PDF of the actual booklet. Gotcha. So it's nothing really fancy, but it's at least it's there and accessible. And, uh, you know, we're always talking to different uh, companies and, and, you know, entrepreneurs and startups that have different ideas for interactive digital booklets and more interactive credits. And, and all of that stuff's really important to us. You know, there is a lot of original content that we do. We've got, you know, kind of name music writers who do long form articles about different artists or genres or labels. Um, and that's all right. You know, again, right in the app, we have, you know, we've got a lot of curated playlists that are done, uh, you know, by artists and producers and hi-fi manufacturers and really, you know, focusing on the stuff that people who are into sound would really care about. Um, and the one other thing that, you know, I think really makes us stand out is we're, we're music people. We're just, you know, what we do is music. I think of us more as a music company than, than a tech company. We're not trying to be all things to all people. We're trying to be, you know, the cool boutique music source, you know, that really cares about what we're doing and cares about the music as opposed to, you know, just being, you know, the all things to all people app. Um, you know, we're not getting into sports podcasting. We're not developing original TV programming. We're just a music service. But, you know, the idea being that there's some people out there that that's really what they want. They want a great, great music service. Gotcha. And, and so alongside those playlists, there's, there's some, some of that music love comes through with some editorial coverage and, and features as well. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we have, you know, people that are really into what they're doing, creating these lists and they're more, you know, from a music fan perspective, as opposed to something created by a computer to, you know, enhance your brain functioning, you know, while, while working, you know, that's something that somebody does well, but we are really veering the exact opposite direction. Say so maybe you want to deep dive into the music of Alice Coltrane, um, it's a different way of, of looking at it and pulling it together. So Dan, what's your background? How'd you get into this? Well, how long is the podcast again? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I am a music guy and I come from the, you know, label side of the business for, for, uh, um, lack of a better word. You know, I started, my first job was at the British label 4AD, uh, much beloved, uh, uh, independent and I started in radio promotion and you know that was uh 20 I don't know a long time ago 28 years ago so since then I I you know worked at different independent labels I spent a number of years uh in the Sony system working at Jive Records then RCA as a as a VP of marketing and and really learning every aspect of the the record side of the business, really, which went through, you know, gargantuan tectonic changes, if I may use the word, um, you know, during the years I was, I was working at the major labels, but I got to work with great artists like Buddy Guy and Cage the Elephant and Tool and Weird Al. That was a good one. Weird Al Yankovic, one of the greats. So, um, you know, uh, working directly with artists and their teams and putting together album campaigns through the you know, when I 
started, I think iTunes wasn't even a thing yet. And uh, when I left the, the labels, obviously, we were a lot closer to where we are today, where streaming is kind of bringing the business back uh, in terms of uh, revenues. So uh, I kind of come full circle, but I always secretly wanted to, you know, run a record store. And that's kind of, you know, what, what I'm doing now, although it's kind of a three-dimensional, very complicated version of a record store. But, you know, after years of, of being, uh, you know, kind of working project by project and artist by artist, now I'm really having a good time, you know, working with everybody and uh, trying to create uh, a service that you know, caters to people like me, just really, really into music, love music, new, old, uh, all different genres, whatever it is. And uh, so all that experience is, uh, you know, I draw on it every day now, but but it's definitely a lot of fun to be kind of on the other side after all the years working for labels. Well, it's cool to see from that label and artist uh, and music perspective that you're able to to find a, a streaming service that fits the kind of fits the bill in terms of being really music oriented as well. Yeah. Yeah. And some, somewhat unique in that way, but it's, it's a great fit for me and, you know, all the artists and managers and, and folks in the business that I've worked with and met uh, over the years are, are, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, people I can partner with to, to put together, you know, content and, and, you know, promotional ideas and so forth for the service. So, uh, so it's been real good. So, you know, we talk about big seismic shifts on music tectonics. So, uh, before we wrap up, I want to give you a little bit of a, a different kind of question. I'm curious if you think it's better for the music industry to have a streaming leader like Spotify, which struggles to make a profit, but's independent of hardware or advertising or like Apple, which is sending messages that it will pay a premium to rights holders, but maybe uses music as a loss leader curious if you if you personally have a <laughs> that's kind of a conversation that seems to start to be coming up more and more in the music space right well you know i think the answer is it, it remains to be seen you know the the you know race to the bottom on pricing as far as digital music is concerned is is not good except for you know a consumer who just wants to to you know, get what they want as cheap as they possibly can, which is definitely most people. But, uh, you know, from the overall health of the business standpoint and, and ability of artists to make a living, uh, not great. Um, so, you know, the idea of these bigger companies using music as a loss leader, I mean, it's, it's a... Um, it's a symptom of, of capitalism, but, you know, just like when Best Buy was selling CDs so cheap because they just wanted to get people in the door to sell them washing machines, you know, we were uh, all up in arms and we were all angry at Best Buy. Now Best Buy doesn't carry CDs and we wish we could have had it the, <laughs> the old way. So, um, you, you know, it's it's definitely a, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy business and... It doesn't get any easier for truly creative people to uh, make a living or, or you know, get get compensated for, for what they do. You know, I'm not, not not sure what the alternatives are, but I definitely think that it's good that there's healthy competition and different kinds of companies and different models. And I think that's only going to increase in the future with, 
you know, different types of streaming services and, and models for different kinds of consumers. Yeah, it's interesting that in that context, your um, CoBuzz is not not necessarily going the the low, lowest price point necessarily, and more looking at uh, adding more value for the the super fan of music. Correct, correct. I mean, just uh, looking at it from a a um, rights holders perspective. I mean, the idea that music can only exist at ten dollars a month has you know been proven false now by us and others. Whether there's a mainstream you know mass market. Uh, music offer that exists above $10 a month? I don't know. But that doesn't mean that those who do want better quality and more context and more liner notes and uh, uh, a more focused music experience that are willing to pay more shouldn't be, they should be allowed to have that kind of service too, right? I mean, just because, um, you know, Toyotas are are the car that most people drive doesn't mean that nobody should be able to have a, a Porsche if they want it. Um, so, so that's where I see it going. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. So, um, and you're going to be out at the music tectonics conference in full force. Uh, excited to have you, uh, October 28th, 29th in Los Angeles. Um, I know you were interested in coming out and, and partially, um, kind of, uh, pre- preaching to the industry to try out high res audio as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that the stage has now been set. People know what it is. People are, you know, more aware of it than ever after, you know, some of the uh, news of the last couple of weeks. But the uh, the idea is education. And there's still a lot of people who don't even know that there's something better. People in the industry, people who work at labels, um, have maybe heard of high res or heard of 24 bit or seen it on a release schedule, but don't even really know what it means or why it exists. So we take every opportunity we can to meet directly with, uh, you know, folks in the uh, in the various parts of the industry, because if everyone gets on board with it and understands what it is, then it's only going to enhance the, um, the listening experience for those, those among us who do care about sound quality. So we got to bring, bring some of the uh, stragglers along a bit, but I'm really looking forward to it. And you did promise me the weather is going to be fantastic. So I'll, I'll, the weather will be fantastic. I'll hold you to that. Awesome. Will people get a chance to, to listen to Cobuzz at Music Tectonics? Yes, we will bring some gear to demo it for anyone who wants to hear it. You know, a few different few different setups to try it a few different ways. And, you know, like I said, you'll see me walking around with my phone. I'll plug your earbuds or your headphones right into my uh, Dragonfly and you'll, you'll, uh, you'll be blown away. So it's definitely going to be in, in, in full effect, as they say, at, at the conference. Awesome. Great. Well, Dan, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's been great uh, getting a deep dive into Cobas. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, like I said, we are music lovers. We're looking for music lovers who want to experience a, a service that's more for them. Uh, and that's that's our, you know, our, I think our, our slogan is something like we are the music lovers. It may have sounded better in French, but uh, but that's what we're all about. So if you're a music lover, you know, I encourage you to check it out. I think we just got the title for the podcast here. Thanks again, Dan. I'll see you in LA. Sounds great. Thanks, Dimitri. And thank you for listening to Music Tectonics. 
Before you leave your podcast app, make sure to subscribe so that you can get updated on other stuff that's happening at Music Tectonics and uh, other great conversations and interviews. If you go to musictectonics.com and sign up for our newsletter, you can get a $50 discount for Music Tectonics, the conference, which again is taking place October 28th and 29th in Los Angeles. We hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Music Tectonics.